0: Hey everybody, Nico here, and welcome back to Exes for Podcast. Today we're going to be taking a three-way look at the final part of the Ten of Swords crossover, Destruction. Now, this story took us a lot of different places, and everybody has a lot to say about it. First up are Rod, Robbie, and Raven, who analyze the character development, as well as some of the tarot connections throughout the series. Hope you enjoy
1: destruction by Jonathan Hickman and Tini Howard though the writers Pepper La Raza's art Marty Garcia is the colorist and it's a Clayton Cowles is the letter so I this uh, this issue I mean ExoSwords is done mm-hmm. so you know I I'm happy it's done and I'm sad it's done but mostly happy because I'm ready to move on Yeah, I'm <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> I, like I 22 chapters of this it like it yeah. was it was a fun ride but man it, it no no shade to any of the any of the people working on this but it, it dragged on a little bit <laughs> yeah but, yeah it,
2: it definitely had some pacing problems
1: this I mean you know what I've I've during this whole issue I've had a lot of different emotions with Saturn Saturn 9 <laughs> and I wanted yeah. her I, I liked her I wanted her to die I liked her <laughs> again I couldn't stand her and, and at the end of this issue or throughout this issue I'm like okay you know what she didn't really kill anybody I mean she killed Betsy, but like other than betsy i guess rock slide but you know
2: (laughs) she she killed betsy trying to cast a love spell yes (laughs) which originally was intended she wanted to shatter brian so that she could basically put Mm -hmm. him back together with a love spell attached to his ass and i'm like you you lazy hoe (laughs)
1: yep she wanted to make brian her love slave which is like
2: yeah i'm not okay with that i'm really really not okay with
1: that oh it's not like, okay at all like, ugh, it's bad and I, and I love i think that's in an, an excalibur issue i love the the subtle mm-hmm. shade they have with the spell they're like well experienced spellcasters know not to use this spell but mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah. just
2: because you want something does not mean you need it and <laughs> no. magic don't care what you want it's going to give you what you need and magic just teabagged her in the face went nah you get betsy bitch <laughs>
3: Right? <laughs> and you know, one thing that's so uh, interesting, like, when they show, like, oh, all the corpse, yes. like, raining down from the sky, one thing I really loved because she's holding the Wheel of Fortune, and one thing that I really love with, like, the predicament of how that happened is because that's a card mm-hmm. that's all about destiny, however, it comes at a very yeah. unexpected way of happening Mm -hmm. Uh so it was meant to happen but in the way that no one would see happening so it's very amazing how they were able to incorporate that card into that situation.
2: <laughs> yeah, cool. it
1: was. I agree with that.
2: Yeah, and, and funny enough, the uh, I think it's the Wheel of Fortune is... I don't know, that's an earlier card. But no, Um, yeah, the fact that uh, there were 22 issues of this mm-hmm. event coordinates with the fact that there are 22 cards in the Major Arcana. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was like, oh, you, you try it all over the place. But also, going back to where you said the the Britain Corps raining down, I love how oh, many yeah. of them have split Lashes of purple somewhere on uh, their person, either their hair, their beards, uh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of purple somewhere, all kind of harkening back to Betsy. Like,
1: I know. I love. <laughs> I love. I love this so much because we get like a werewolf Captain Britain, right? a, a giant woman Captain Britain, a gorilla, a, a raptor, swan. like, <laughs> like a frog. Like I'm like, can't, we need a Captain Britain animals edition issue. This <laughs> really a one shot
2: i'm like the fact they had a swan i almost pissed myself laughing at that. <laughs> like whoa i mean swans are vicious creatures but goddamn seriously
1: <laughs> see i was i was like i was like not shocked by the swan i was like that makes sense for me because i don't know why i associate swans with like british i don't know oh, it just, because
2: the queen keeps them
1: i guess so i guess i guess that's why it just made sense in my head but when i saw a raptor i was like why is a raptor there <laughs>
3: You know, I'm not going to lie, when I saw the swan, I for real thought it was a goose.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which makes even more sense.
3: It does. (laughs) It really does. Like, I think I for real thought it was a goose for a salad, like, two days until someone pointed it out on Twitter, and I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's like, look, it's a giant murder chicken, okay?
1: <laughs> and I, I like on the next page, we finally, like, this is the issue where we finally get to see some fighting. Um, yes. Which is, you know, the, to get it on the last issue. We saw some fighting in the other issues. But this is, like, the all-out battle that we've been waiting for. We finally get to see, you know, Brian and Storm use their swords. If mm-hmm. it's only for, like, one page, that's fine. Yes. But <laughs> <laughs> we finally get to see it. <laughs> it's glorious.
2: Right. Yeah. They and really then, really did well.
1: They really did I, the, I mean, Pepper Laraza just and, and um and the art and the colorist really they I mean they they are a wonderful team together. That I wish I wish they could just draw and color every X book. <laughs> like, no shade to all the other artists; they do extremely well as well. But this is just like
2: this is like, perfect for like battle scene.
1: Oh yeah, like I feel like they should do every X event. <laughs> yeah.
2: like, like I I like the watery colored you know slightly faded look that they use on Krakoa. But yeah, this is this is the kind of lovely art that I like to see when you're doing heavy battles Mm -hmm. because there is so much detail in it but also the color and the way the color pops like helps to tell the visual story and they did they did a brilliant job on it honestly
1: one thing I really uh, I like about this issue because I feel like we're kind of going to go all over a place with this issue and that's fine (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I I like doing that it's fine so (laughs) one thing I I was thinking back on this issue and I was like one of the things I really love is that they really Really showed how this army that they had from Annihilation Mm -hmm. could really destroy the world because they needed the Captain Britain Corpse to come help, that Mm -hmm. sword alien um, dimension of monsters to come uh, help. The Spitter Day? Yeah. They needed them to come help. They needed
2: all of the X Men to come help, and they were still like losing. (laughs) right yeah (laughs) i mean like yeah they pulled out every mutant they could possibly find for that splash panel and just have them (laughs) raining out of the sky you've got um you have the uh what was it the green lady cores um and they show up for like a brief moment and then off to the citadel to try and uh protect the citadel from oh, yeah. falling
1: i forgot about them that's right yeah they sure did
2: yeah and it's like oh my god like yeah they literally just pulled out everything because i mean they were they were having trouble with just annihilation's small group mm-hmm. showing up and then annihilation has war call down the rest of the troops and it's like oh I'm shit. like there's more <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's what and then yeah and the summoners the summer oh my god the things the summoners hold
1: oh that's, that was crazy sauce like that's what made me really happy because i was really skeptical i'm like is this gonna destroy the- there are so many superheroes on the world is this really gonna destroy the world i'm like come on mm. but i would have believed it you know they had a lot of firepower yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. especially
3: with those monsters coming out and even eliana's a little spooked by that that's when you know it's bad right because right? she like fights <laughs> little demons so she, right she does it in her spare time
2: yeah and good god yeah i mean the the dang thing looks like ugh. one of the ones they pulled out is like just oh god it looks like a stinkhorn mushroom on steroids and nightmare fuel and oh just, yeah they just they just pulled that and that's just one creature and i'm like are you kidding me yeah and it's, then they, it's yeah, just more and more and, oh my god like so, yeah even i was clinched
1: it, it it like is it nightmares i was like oh i gotta turn the page i gotta turn the page <laughs> i was like i don't want <laughs> right. to look at it oh, it's right. too gross
2: right don't kill my favorites
1: <laughs> but speaking of Favorites. I love the splash page of Jean saying to me, "My X Men," and seeing all oh, like the X Men. Basically, mm. even people that haven't really been that. on the X Men, like Gwenpool, she hasn't been on the X Men. But I, I'm so glad they they like put her in the event and made her canonly mm-hmm. still a mutant. I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, they did an amazing job at, like, literally just putting every single mutant that has ever been with the X-Men in there. And, and yeah, I mean, they're they're throwing down. Their, it's a knockdown, dragout. Oh, my God. It's like Domino, Gwenpool. I think Bishop and Danny are taking on Pogger Pog.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and- yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah. They're that was really cool. Up. And Pogger Pog is still alive after that. see <laughs> <Right>? I'm <laughs> like, how? What?
2: <laughs> Ooh, yeah, big old crocodile hole. And I love man. how we get
1: Rogue and Gambit working together. I'm like, Oh yay. Yeah, loves.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and and then like, okay, th- these last couple of issues, I started hating Cyclops less.
1: Oh yeah, see I told you it was gonna happen. I told what you. is my life? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah. no, seriously. Like this whole like Hawks Pox Dawn of X, I'm mm-hmm. reading all the issues, especially with the ones with Cyclops and mm-hmm. I'm reading him and I'm like, man, do I do, do I
3: feel for Cyclops now? Right? I'm
1: like, what's happening? No, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah.
3: he's, he's oddly a character that really does that to you. Because year, years back, I used to despise him. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, when I read um, Bendis' Uncanny X Men, that was mm-hmm. when I really started liking him a lot. And I just don't know how writers do it, but <laughs> they make it work.
1: <laughs> I did kind of like him during Bendis' run, but then I started hating him again. When when he wore that red and black suit and like was being all crazy. <laughs> oh no, I,
3: I understand what you mean.
2: <laughs> well, he can be a dick, but my my whole like my major issue with Cyclops is the fact that he always defers to whatever Professor X tells him. Well, what do Professor X do? Well, Professor X told us it's like shut the fuck up and make a goddamn decision <laughs> for yourself, yeah, boy scout. And in this one, he acted like an actual father mm-hmm. and went, uh-uh, I have to go save my son. I have to at least make the attempt. They're like, well, but you'll lose your seat on the council. He's like, don't care. Going to get my goddamn team and my son back. Uh Screw you, old man. I'm like, (gasps) he made a decision for himself? What?
1: right and Jean's like I'm gonna go get my adoptive son back too which is technically Mm -hmm. my son but technically not (laughs) which
3: is so bizarre because she has the memories of giving Mm -hmm. birth to him but didn't give birth to him Mm -hmm. Mm.
2: yeah yeah yeah. it's so
1: like that's that's so great you can be like oh I gave birth to you and you have my DNA but I don't have the stretch marks (laughs) there you go so (laughs) I don't know why that popped in my head but it did so but But, um i also. Also, like this like x-men that we don't they used to get attention but don't and mm-hmm. we get to see them kind of do a little bit more in this issue not much but in the background like armor we get mm-hmm. to see her big yeah. armor and because she's a very powerful mutant like we've seen her in so many future issues where she does like badass things and-
3: yeah because she's normally a character who tends to always survive um apocalypse-esque storyline
1: mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. um like if i remember correctly she appeared i think in captain marvel the end mm-hmm. and yeah i remember back in runaways they did this end of the world type of thing where she was literally i think one of the last avengers to be alive in like a future timeline Mm -hmm. um so yeah and
1: captain marvel the end she keeps her armor up for a whole year to protect people yeah like that is insane like that's crazy powerful so I'm glad like I just I the the thing I love mostly about this uh, whole Dawn of X thing and I feel like X of Swords since X of Swords was like the end of Donna X I feel like it made it full circle mm-hmm. that we really got more attention a li- at least a little bit more attention on characters we haven't seen a lot lately <laughs> like because in the past X-Men stories we've seen you know the main you know 10 or like 6 which is you know the big 5 and then Storm you know Wolverine, mm-hmm. Jubilee like other people but now Mm -hmm. we're seeing a
3: little bit more spread out and mixed together and uh,
1: hopefully we see even more of that in reign of x Mm
3: -hmm. yeah and you know that's what i love because one thing i've noticed is um we've kind of seen a lot of monet even though monet isn't in any of the main lineups Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it's really nice how uh (laughs) hickman and company (laughs) 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 have been able to kind of really eat monet a constant character kind Kind of appearing and thing, um, without her really vanishing yeah. much.
2: Yeah, like they they use her when they need to, and they use her effectively.
3: Yeah, because mm. she has very um a memorable moment to be mm-hmm. honest, compared oh, yeah, to a lot right. of characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would
1: definitely agree with that. I I definitely think we're gonna see a lot more of her, and I'm very happy oh, about yeah. that. Me too. <laughs> but yeah. speaking of someone that we've seen a lot of this issue, and it had a really good moment. I like how um, and then after the splash pages and the monsters, so we see cable mm-hmm. talking to saturnine mm-hmm. and she's like yeah you're the fool with the sword go use it dummy Like <laughs> she's like i gave right. you this i went i told you where to what to do already like go do it it's he's a like sword. Mommy.
2: hello <laughs> right
1: <laughs> and i love that he's like mommy daddy come help i love that i love it i love it i love the family dynamic and cable finally has his moment because mm-hmm. he was both To he's finally useful um <laughs> right
3: <laughs> and in that moment can we just talk about how Ileana is powerful enough to have that like legion of aliens go through her portal and let it stay there mm-hmm. right yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: she's the mvp <laughs> of this event
2: <laughs> damn close to it and i mean like they they used it smartly because that's that is something that she does and you actually got to see kind of the range of that power cuz it's mm-hmm. not like that was a small portal that they walked through single file no that was a big ass portal mm-hmm. that was to a three big ass portal
1: to me iliana is kind of like Captain Marvel in Endgame like Endgame wouldn't have happened without Captain Marvel and Exoswords' Swords the ending wouldn't have happened without Iliana. Yeah, so she teleported all of their basically reinforcements there <laughs> so without her they would have been screwed
2: well, I see her more a bit as um, more like Doctor Strange you remember when the Strange Corps opened oh. up all those portals and everybody walks through because they had gathered people from all over
1: that is that- a more solid analogy yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just saying that's kind of what it felt like to me. Is like she was where she needed to be in order to get other people where they needed to be, and that was a great thing. And like I read iliana like way back when, uh-huh. way the hell back when. And when you first get to know her, she's a little bit more selfish, and she's a bit more of a child uh-huh. in many respects. But this shows how much she has grown. So even though she still looks young and sometimes acts a little bit childish, she is far smarter and far more strategic and far more of a team player than i originally thought she was gonna be so i'm very over
1: the years over the years they've definitely like built up her her leadership and team player-ness because she's gone through a lot of stuff over the years and they've been like she's been on many different teams Mm -hmm. and she's been like one of the main obviously the travel resources on the team that's why she's been there basically (laughs) and and she's had she's had to learn to like think of more than just herself a lot of the times Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's really helped develop the character and now we get to see it like for what she really is like really powerful mutant and hopefully later a really powerful sorceress <laughs>
2: yeah absolutely I cannot wait to see more of her in, right. in later issues and I, I think they just did such a good job with the dialogue and with the pacing which is something that I scream about for <laughs> <in your life. laughs> several freaking issues but yeah the pacing in this was really good Oh yeah, and it was, it was, was point. really clean and you're like you, you felt it and even when they jump from one part of the battle to you know another part of the battle and see what they're going on, and do it's like it felt so cohesive. It felt like it was supposed to be running at that clip and at that tempo, and it was really, really well done. I like it. Oh yeah,
1: it. definitely. Even with the battle between Apocalypse and Genesis slash Annihilists, yes. like that was really well done too. The coloring, the dramatic mm. red and orange, like the the dread. It was. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I felt God. scared. I was like, oh, what's gonna happen? <laughs> <laughs>
2: right? oh my god and can we talk about when apocalypse beats the crap out of her but not to kill her mm-hmm. but to rip annihilation off of her face mm-hmm. basically beating her and mm-hmm. putting it on his own
3: okay this scene he <laughs> right? stressed me the fuck out this, pan- oh, this panel oh me too I yeah was reading it i had to set this comic mm-hmm. down i was like Let me know walk somewhere real <laughs> yeah. quick my to break recuperate because right. you know right here you know in all the reactions <laughs> that shit was like the face crack of the century
2: right there <laughs> and oh look yeah. at genesis face behind his when he has the mask on. Like she's even got a face crack on like what the fuck? I
1: know. I was like when I saw this I was like oh please don't go this route. We don't we don't we don't need another evil taking trying to take over the world apocalypse. I'm like please let him right. like take off the mask and do something please. I like right? this I hope that I'm like don't let this be the end of this event. <laughs> ooh.
2: Ooh, and apocalypse means annihilation. So I'm just like oh oh Jesus. Right? Oh god. If if genesis was this bad oh i don't know i i don't want to know what an evil annihilation driven apocalypse is going to be like this is going to be bad
1: and i and i love it because basically the whole like way of dawn of x has been family and love you know krakoa mm-hmm. a nation loving each other and what mm-hmm. beats annihilation how apocalypse beats it its control for the most part is with love he's mm-hmm. like i have to i love my wife i love my people that mm-hmm. is stronger than my my desire to kill and destroy everything and rule. So I'm going, you know, I'm not going to let you beat me and take me over. Like we're surrendering. We're ending this now. No one else needs to die.
2: Mm-hmm. A, and, and, oh God, it like, it blew my mind. A, oh my God, daddy. <gasps> I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't had, I, let me start the entire thing. I'm sorry. I'm looking at it there for my brain is very distracted. Um, I don't have a, a, a liking or a need or want for apocalypse, but that suit, when he puts the annihilation mask on. <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous. It mm-hmm. is
3: gorgeous.
2: Oh my that is so beautifully drawn and like, just oh that mm-hmm. would
3: make a beautiful ass mm-hmm.
1: like statue to own. Yes. Oh yeah. Please. If they if they don't make that a statue then they're just not doing marketing well.
2: Right. <laughs> oh my right? right. I'm like I yeah, I I might spend a couple hundred on a good figure of, of that. Like I ain't gonna lie, I am not gonna lie, that was.
1: Oh. I wouldn't even oh. mind a statue of of uh, Iska holding either Pyro or Explody Boy when she turns. I think that's <laughs> Explody <the laughs> Boy. That's what people are thinking. I'm thinking it's Explody Boy. Um, we don't know if he's dead or not. I mean, he's limp, so you know. But
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do have one question about when she turns. So, um, does that mean she's turning to Saturn side? and Saturnine technically. No. What, what's
2: What's her name? The Mac. What's her name?
3: Wait,
1: Iska
2: the unbeaten.
1: Mm -hmm. So she's turned to Krakoa's side because Krakoa's winning because Apocalypse is beating Annihilation, the mask.
2: No, it means she lost. Oh, well it says she turned. My god, Iska the unbeaten, she's turned. Remember, she is all red. She turned golden. It's the the first time she's ever lost. It's the first time she's been on the side that loses.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: So they know because the next, like, if she if you look at the very last panel, we cannot win. Oh, I assume... oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So like, they're like, shit, if she's the unbeaten and she just changed color, we're fucked. We cannot win because she never loses.
1: Wow. I God. like that. I did not see it to that perspective. I like that. That's uh, I not what I thought at first, but I definitely get that now. Yeah.
2: Oh, they did it. <laughs> he did it. So don't worry. I had to reread that panel like four times. I'm like, why, why are they so mad? are they is she going to be jumping ship it's like I just for some reason I just didn't quite process that last line and like the first time a fourth time around I was like oh shit oh shit wait whoa Oh, this has implications because uh apocalypse is for Kokoa but annihilation slash genesis was for Arako so if apocalypse has taken over annihilation does that move apocalypse to Arako's side and if Iska has turned and you can't win that means yeah Annihilation aka Arako's leader has lost it Uh, it was deep and they did it so beautifully and concisely it's like yeah
1: i like that thank you raven i like that that was uh, that was good thank you <laughs> i thank you for that in per- that perspective I, that was on point for me thank you so much yeah.
2: oh, and then
1: good. apocalypse surrenders and we get that mm-hmm. beautiful shot of him bowing down to saturnine mm-hmm. and uh and then i okay so i i have mixed feelings i'm like on both sides of saturnine having uh, jubilee's baby dragon <laughs> right <laughs> because she looks so cool on it like <laughs> She looks so cool, like that shot where she goes down, like like the dragon lands and her cape is just up, and she's about to mm. go, get down and come to apocalypse. That mm-hmm. shot is so beautiful, and then she uses his fire to destroy the gate. Like they're a good team, but he should like obviously at the end of the issue he goes back to Jubilee and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna I'm gonna miss her having a dragon. <laughs> she
2: has other dragons, I'm sure.
1: I'm sure. I mean, it's other world. She could probably make a dragon. So right? it's Saturn
2: I can't see her without one. Come on.
1: Right? She needs to. Ha- she, she, I think she's going to be like, you know what? I liked having a dragon that could destroy reality. I'm going to create one.
2: Right? <laughs> oh but yeah like for the longest time like everybody's dogging like okay Araka was always dogging on Apocalypse like oh you're weak you're weak stay behind you're weaker than us stay behind you're weak you're weak you're weak and he goes you know I've really changed And his wife looks him dead in the face went "Mm, no not really no you're still weak and I'm like and I even I was thinking dude you're getting your ass whooped like Uh she is like one quarter your size and yeah she is she's blocking your shit she's she's staying your hand she is whooping your ass. Like, you haven't gotten that much better, apparently. I forgot. Apocalypse is far more cerebral than people give him credit for. Uh He wasn't necessarily just working on his fighting skills or his strength. He was working on his mental fortitude and his determination. Uh Because Annihilation, if he was mentally weak, should have wiped his mind out. And it didn't. He had enough control and enough strength to ignore Annihilation and bow. And surrender yeah because i'm not because the apocalypse
1: before would have never surrendered
2: exactly
1: so he's definitely like i like the i've never been like you like kind of like you raven i've never been a big fan of apocalypse i'm like ah he's he's a he's an x-men villain he's Mm -hmm. facing blah blah blah. okay cool bye but this growth that he's had this whole you know Mm -hmm. run of x Mm
3: -hmm. is
1: really well done i this is basically the story of apocalypse Mm -hmm. and and how he can he's grown to be as loving as he can and understanding as he can and he's grown as an actual person rather than just a high evolutionary mutant
2: yeah it, so. yeah his
1: growth is
3: phenomenal yeah
2: like it it was impressive and it actually made me kind of pause I'm just like damn I never thought of Apocalypse uh, being selfish or I'm sorry selfless I should say Uh uh I'd never I'd never like saw it coming that he you know I thought he was ready to just die yeah and no he was he was ready to do what he needed to to save his family to save all the mutants even if it, you know even at personal cost of, of chucking his ego out the window and going I surrender I'm like yeah you, you. I'm sorry. You what? What? <laughs> what? Well, damn.
1: No, it's 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 really good. I'm really happy about that. How that turned out, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that we got a full like growth moment for Apocalypse. Because I was wondering where all this was going in Excalibur and what they were doing with Apocalypse. And I'm like, okay, where is this going? Let's keep let's let's get a lo- let's get it along. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I'm glad to see it where it ended up. And <laughs> the next panel, th- this this event really goes from like really like crazy drama to funny really quick because yeah. saturnine turning annihilate the, the oh mask into a like a like a fan <laughs> to like a spear fan and it's screaming no i'm gonna crack all your bones and eat you and she's like shush, shush, shush. you sound ridiculous <laughs> you're gonna be fine it's okay
2: right i'm like you 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 bitch <laughs> right? that was that was her plan from the get-go mm-hmm. I, but like she went about it in the most like roundabout ass way and like now i'm going how many people knew what your plan was? Did Iska know? Did did you know? Did anybody from Morocco know? And that's why they were playing from behind the scenes, like
1: yeah, trying what? to what manipulate it.
2: Yeah, like I
1: don't know. Damn. I feel like I feel like we're gonna because this event definitely left some plot holes, and I feel like they left it on purpose. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. We're definitely gonna find out, you know, if if Saturnine and Brian made a deal so he could be out of like the you know the, the jail. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. thing that you put him in. They they made some kind. A deal. I feel like we're going to see that later. Like I, a lot of plot holes, I can't even, can't even remember right now. They're going to—they're setting those aside for later stories. I'm sure. Like we're going to hear about <laughs> things later from this event because this event did a lot of things mm-hmm. that are going to have effects later, and I'm happy oh, about yeah, that.
2: Yeah. Well, and and she hands Annihilation the staff back to Genesis. Mm-hmm. and she's like, "Look, it's 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 not going to change what Annihilation is, but it's going to make it far easier to control." And therefore, mm. you don't have to listen to what annihilation is telling you to do. You're gonna make it your bitch. I'm yeah. like, oh, what the fuck. I, okay. I'm
1: like, well, there you go. I would have been like, can we just destroy it? But it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, can we just throw it into space? And like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, space is not that much really secure anyway. Huh. Someone's gonna right.
3: find it, but still. Right. <laughs>
2: like, Accidentally throw it at a living. You know, No.
1: Oh God.
3: <laughs> looking, looking back on now that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that with the staff, looking back originally, mm-hmm. the card that she um, has, which was the eight of Cups, I think. that's a card about mm-hmm. looking like turning your yeah. back on something from the past and like walking away to something mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. They meant the ending, yeah. not what we thought because mm-hmm. yeah. for a while, a lot of us yeah. just thought that she was just thinking a lot about the past and like mistakes that she made. They were really talking about the final issue <laughs> with her card. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> yeah, yep, they, they really were.
2: Yeah, they they did so good. Like so they really landed the ending. So good. Yeah. Oh yeah. They Stuck the landing. Well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the thing that's gonna have like there's many things that happened at the end of this issue that's gonna have longing effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing is Apocalypse leaving. Yeah. He so because he's not just leaving Earth. He's mm-hmm. leaving Krakoa and leaving the seat. And yeah. Apocalypse brought all the X Men are the mutant villains mm-hmm. to. Krakoa and told them to basically stay in line, or they're going to answer to him. Mm -hmm. And now he's gone. So, like, there's other powerful mutants, but Mm -hmm. who's going to keep those evil, quote unquote, mutant, evil, you know, whatever mutants, insane mutants, in check? Yeah,
2: that's yeah. There's that's a big power vacuum "Mm
1: -hmm." because no one would step up to Apocalypse because for obvious reasons. (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) but people will step up to like people. Some mutants don't mind stepping up to Magneto or Xavier or something because they have Mm -hmm. they have just as much power a little bit more power Mm -hmm. so they're just like we'll bring it on so i i don't know it's it's gonna be interesting dynamic to have you know the king of the mutants basically off of krakoa
2: yeah that's that's going to be new and weird but in his uh, in his benevolence he reunited the lands.
1: Yes we're going to get so many we're going to get hundreds more new mutants. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or millions. Millions actually.
2: Well, And that... and, and what was the wish of, of Krakoa and Arako this whole time? They just wanted to be reunited. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. So it's going to be interesting to see how they get along together since Red Root is still back in the crooked market <laughs> in a <laughs> (laughs) Tiny jar, looking like Groot.
0: (laughs) Aww. Hey everybody, Nico here again, and in this next clip, Josh leads a room with Arturo, Evelyn, and Maddie, where the three of them talk about their favorite and least favorite moments of both this issue and the crossover in general. They also get into a great discussion about some of the specificity and some of the worlds that the new Captain Britain Corps reflects throughout Marvel history. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the
4: final gathering of Ten of Swords. I'm here in room one to talk about chapter 22 of 22, X of Swords, Ten of Swords, Destruction. Written by Jonathan Hickgott and Teenie Howard. Art by Pepe Larraz. Colors by Marte Gracia. And letters by V.C.'s Clayton Cowles. The Captain Britain Corps has returned. And with them, so many Betsy's, But not ours yet. All of the X-Men show up. Fucking all of them. And Gene gets a, to me, my X-Men, in a tremendously beautiful page of art. Annihilation summons a horde of monsters from Amenth. Cable powers up the sword station and unleases the Viscora upon them. Apocalypse puts Annihilation down and claims the helmet, becoming Apocalypse. And in a textbook badass Hickman event moment, then he goes super 12-step program, surrenders to win, fighting back against the mask and using the power it gave him to end the war and ensure a menthe defeat. Saturnine turns the mask into a spear that is much easier to control. She sets the terms of the Krakoa-Irako peace treaty, which include an exchange of prisoners. Apocalypse goes to menth, and the whole fucking island of Arako goes to Earth. Big A gets to go home with his family, except for d- death because Storm dusted his ass. Bay gets to go home with Doug. Solemn is still on the loose on a fucking zombie dragon somewhere. There's tons of shenanigans still to unfold in world as a result of this. And we learned that the entire story was, in fact, all just a gambit set up by Saturnine to try to get herself a harem full of Brian Dick. So much to unwrap here. <laughs> Evelyn, say hi and tell us where we can find you.
5: Hey, I'm Evelyn, the Comic Canary. You can find me at Comic underscore Canary at Twitter and Instagram. Hey, Maddie, where can we find you?
6: Hey guys, it's Maddie. You can find me over on Instagram at, at the Man. And with me today is
7: Arturo. Hey guys, you can find me at MrToybox on Twitter and Instagram. And we are with Josh.
4: I'm Josh Wheel, and as always, you can find me at Asleep at the wheel w e i l on Twitter and at asleepatthewheel.com. Destruction. O M gee like so many moments so much awesome talk about sticking the landing on x of swords i'm not even sure where to begin okay so let's go round table i want to hear from everyone we'll start with maddie on this maddie favorite moment from chapter 22 destruction go
6: Ooh. Ooh, 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 favorite moment from Chapter 22, Destruction. I would say to me, my X-Men...
7: Uh, hands
6: down the 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 introduction of the x-men
7: for me strong choice strong choice to me my x-men was incredible and uh the fact that i wanted to make a list of all the mutants that were crammed into that page so eloquently just like act absolutely a strong pick for me it was uh i am remade apocalypse annihilation the end of all things because you guys know i have been dreading apocalypse dying for this in that moment for that page i was like fuck this is what's gonna happen we've lost blue dad and now apocalypse has entered this final stage he will now be annihilation and he's going to be a bad guy going forward like i thought that was what you know that that was it so seeing it go a step further and him winning and and outsmarting annihilation and surrendering was even better uh but for this moment in that page i was like holy fuck i've been dreading he was gonna die but instead it's like his good side has died and now he's just going to be this evil bad guy and and it was a bittersweet moment because i love villains and uh and i could have lived with an evil apocalypse, but oh, just incredible. Evelyn?
5: Um, Oh, I'm, I'm trying so hard to think which one I choose, but it might be at the very beginning when we see the Betsy Captain Britain core show up, because we get that moment, like we get a moment in um, 21, but seeing it, like all these Captain Britons that are very obviously Betsy is just so powerful to me. Because Saturnine has been just shitting on my girl for so long. And to have it be like, no, the Betsy is worthy of the Captain Britain, not just in this universe, but in other universes. And to have them just so clearly come and kick some ass and seeing Brian so excited about it and so ready for it and okay with it. Just that moment to me at the very beginning was just so good. I mean, all of these moments are so good, but that's the one that I think might be my favorite
7: it definitely i said this weeks ago and and i stick by it the best thing that ever happened to betsy was shattering into a million pieces because i think going forward i i really i really really think that betsy as captain britain is going to be what defines her for this next era right if if everybody absolutely if everybody fell in love with betsy and and got to know psylocke as a character once she was in the Quanon body which was definitely the case this is set, setting up a whole other time for betsy and uh i i think think it's it's the best thing that could have happened to her and i think it's good that she's not on the board yet you know that she's she's going to be a mystery for a little while that's a, a, another story to be told down the road i think is very powerful all right
4: my for me my two big moments have to be either apocalypse putting on the helm or then the the panel on the bottom of the page where he gets to walk off into the sunset with his arm around his wife and three of his kids with him and I, i'll take the latter then since um someone else already said the former but they were both both just fantastic this is the apocalypse story this is this is hands down the best apocalypse story we've ever had i don't know i I, I, I recently
7: i recently listened to the episode of you and nico talking about a little old man apocalypse trapped inside (laughs) the apocalypse (laughs) (laughs) i say that's a close second Uh, yeah (laughs) No, yeah, I agree. Just the best, absolutely the best apocalypse story of all time. Just beautiful.
4: Okay, Evelyn, favorite moment from all X of Swords?
5: Ooh, See, I knew you were going to ask that question, and I'm still not entirely sure. (laughs) It might honestly be... It's so stupid, but when they were uh, at the dinner party before the games even started... And Iska, Ileana, and Cable are just fucking around and having fun and, like, pin the tail on the Pogger Pog. Like, all of that was just so fun to me. Like, having that interaction between them where it wasn't just the like like I'm gonna fight you but now we have like some camaraderie they're trying to learn about each other obviously to figure out like what their weaknesses are but it's just so fabulous that they were able to have some Fun in the middle and I could honestly just see an entire like I just want an entire comic of just party games of <laughs> Iska and Magic and Cable and just all of them just being stupid and having fun
4: uh, uh, 100% I think some of the less serious moments whether it was in Hellions or uh, Marauders with the Dinner Party uh, were just so enjoyable um, Arturo favorite moment from all 22 chapters of
7: x of swords oh god that's so hard um yeah, there's a lot I, it's hard to remember at all there there's a it's a there's a lot to remember and i i really enjoyed uh the, the games when, once we were with the, the score was like we're getting to 20 something games and and there's a dance off and the fashion show and like it was just so absurd and unexpected that now that we have ended where we've ended and it feels more like what we expected, I appreciate that little absurdity so much more for what it was. Um, so I, I love that. But yeah, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say for me, this whole thing really came down to Apocalypse versus Annihilation and just how beautifully that 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 chapter closed.
4: Yeah. There's a lot of moments in this book that could definitely fight for it. Maddie, what is your favorite moment of the from the whole? The whole shaboodle.
6: You know, it's it's funny because I feel like Ten of Swords was billed originally as this big contest of arms, which we have learned was not the case. We very quickly learned. Was not the case. So to pick a big action moment would be, to me, you know, uh, anathema to the the spirit of the book. So I will choose from Marauders fourteen way back. I will choose uh, Storm Dancing with Death. Something mm. about. There was something about her, you know, I've been dancing with you my whole life, first as a girl living on the streets and later as a leader of the X-Men, a role that taught me how to sway death, so I neither fear you nor desire you, but I know this is as close as I will allow you. Was just such a succinct and perfect characterization for Storm, on the precipice of a much greater Storm being the Tournament of Champions. I just thought it was such an excellent moment.
4: Agreed. And there... I got a bunch that I could bounce in between, um, you know, from the stuff that we saw here in Destruction to I think the, um, what I called the Parks and Rec City Council meeting uh, (laughs) in Alien 5. Um, But I'll have to go, you know, and that second act, you know, the, the actual contest was my least favorite part of this. But the Battle of Blightspoke between Wolverine and Summoner is probably my favorite thing from all 22 issues. It was so. Beautifully done, Kasara showing off so many different art styles. The 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 gold framing in between his panels, just everything about it. I flipped back and forth and went to those and looked at them over and over and over again. Probably more than I did any other page or any other section of this story. Um, for me, it would ironically enough be from you know the Battle of spoke one of those contests.
7: I, I think when the dust settles, when this is a collected story, uh, you know, with the with the benefit of hindsight, I really think this is one of the best crossovers in in X Men history.
4: So Arturo says that he thinks this is one of the best crossovers. What are your overall grades? Um, so overall grades, let's start with Arturo for X of Swords. Now I have mine. I'll give you mine. I'm just kind of give you what I'm thinking here. I have this broken up into three acts. And one of my biggest issues with X of Swords, one of my biggest criticisms of it, is that I did not like the structure and pacing. For me, as I look at it in a three-act story, Act 1 is Chapters 1 through 14, Act 2 is Chapters 15 through 19, and Act 3 is Chapters 20 through 22. So we have the lead-up to the battle, then we have the actual contest itself, and then we have the fallout and the the results, the um one you know the final battle between apocalypse and genesis the fallout the results the culmination of everything is act 3 and that second act for me was just the weakest part of it being that act act 1 being so long taking 14 chapters to get up to the beginning of the contest and then having the contest be something other than what you expected and were being built up for over so many issues. There's just no way to describe it other than a letdown for me. Was it earned? Maybe like they never lied to us. And that's part of other world. We're supposed to know that you're being deceived without being lied to. But I just still didn't like, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, you got me. Oh, fuck me. Like, it just doesn't. It wasn't as enjoyable as it could have been because of that. I have the first act I give a strong A to, the second act a C, and the third act a strong A again. For me, the whole thing is a B B+. Um, maybe in six months, I'll reread the whole thing again and feel a little different about it. But on first reading, I can't give it an A when it gave me so many conflicting feelings in the middle.
7: Well, and I think that so yeah. that this is why I give it a strong A, because of those conflicting feelings, because it was such an unexpected twist, right? Like I I like this for what it was. I enjoyed the topsy turviness of it. If the ending had sucked, that would have thrown everything right that that would have thrown all those stupid games it would have just but the way it all tied up it to me was just so gratifying that uh that I, I i will always look back on this crossover font i think it was a really fun story i think it happened separate and apart from krakoa and i think that was to its benefit i think that it was this big cataclysmic battle but happening in another world is there's value to that right like i can't help but compare this to Uh, The recent Empire crossover and how disappointed I was in that. And I remember there was like, there was like, what, two or three different, you know, end the galaxy cliffhangers happening at the same time, you know, with a, with a clock ticking and, and it just all felt so Unimportant to me. You know, at no point did I think the universe was really gonna end because of what was going on in Empire. Here there is And I, I agree. States. I agree on that.
4: If this is a B plus for me, I will tell you that Empire is nowhere near a B plus for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evelyn, give us everything you got.
5: All right. So I definitely agree. Like I would split these up into parts, um, the beginning, middle, and end. Um, overall, I would definitely give this I would say a B-plus as well, on as an overall grade. It it almost lost me last week with just the silly games. I really wanted more sword fights, and I wanted the swords themselves to be more significant because uh, they make such a big deal about finding these swords and make a big deal about the swords as a prophecy that I would have just definitely preferred more about the swords, even if they did do expected quest and stuff like at least make the sword a part of those silly things rather than um just whatever they were doing like limbo for god's sake like you can have limbo with the swords <laughs> like I don't know. It, it definitely got a little off the rails a little bit for me. I I didn't really mind how much they spent getting the swords. I wish they would have made it a little shorter just so we can see more of the uh, other side getting the swords and see the other side, like what they have to go through because we saw that they have to band together a group of people that don't necessarily get along very well would have loved to see more of the dynamic from their side so that we can really get a sense of what's at stake for them. And I would also agree that I don't know if the stakes really were felt the entire time. I mean, yes, having some humorous parts is good. But it went from having the silly dinner party to having the silly games. So it felt like it was almost just too much and a little unbalanced. But that's being said, I still absolutely loved it. I love the callback to SWORD, where I honestly like had no idea like what the aliens had to do with anything. So I'm so glad that was a good callback. And yeah... I think that's everything I have. I'm also like really happy about Cypher, like, just everything with him. I'm so glad he survived, even though he like technically died for a second. But I'm very appreciative that he got to have this lovely moment with Bay, who is Bay.
4: May is May. Yeah, I think we can all be grateful, too, that we we didn't lose as many of them as we thought we would. I think the one big loss is Gorgon, who none of us really had feelings for before this, but he came out like a capital motherfucking G in this story.
5: Is it wrong I wanted more deaths?
4: No. no. <laughs>
5: I, it's just like Game of Thrones. I was disappointed with the lack of death.
7: Yeah, well, and, th- and that goes to it. Like, <laughs> why Everybody I, died I, in Game of Thrones. What are you talking
5: no. about? No, <laughs> no one... When- no like one person died at the um the uh longest night which yeah he was definitely slated to die but only he died and then it's like the whole like final battle like sure like Cersei died but like Jamie that was just like backwards characterization and I can go on and on about that but I'm not <laughs>
4: You know, we did not get as much. It, it, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we first had the big twist. For me, you know, like, I love Monty Python. But when you've spent months building me up for Highlander, and it's like, yes, we're going to see some badass fucking sword fights. There's going to be people getting their heads cut off. It's going to be awesome. And then you sit down and you turn on Life of Brian. I'm like, what the, what, the, what, the, what the fuck? What the fuck is Wait, wait, what? what? No. Exactly. What?
5: That's a what? great way no. to say
4: that. Like, I like both. I like funny Discworld, Logic Otherworld stories, but not after you built me up for people getting their heads cut off. I had to go watch a lot of Highlander this week. It helped. Also, I I made my kids watch Highlander, which um, is slightly questionable parenting because they got to watch a lot of people get their heads cut off as well, but they really dug it. Nice. Uh, I
6: I would say for me personally, my grade, I would give it a B. I would give it a flat B. I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. I think the pacing was a little bit all over the place. I think we were given a lot more information than we were needed in certain arenas, and there were a lot of books in the second act that all of last week's releases felt like duds. But that said, it started strong and it ended strong, and I would be happy to reread it.
4: Oh, it definitely has rereadability. I 100% agree. So we all like this, right? And and it it had so many amazing moments. If it wasn't perfect all the way through, um, you know, aside from Hoxbox, what is? um, Let's look forward now. We got three data pages in the back of the book. We got one on the swords of Arako, similar to what we got earlier on, but now kind of talking about where they are, what happened to them, right? Certain things like Alluvium being captured along with its wielder and being in the crooked market somewhere. What happened to Redroot? When will we see her again, right? That uh, the Blade Purity, right, went back to the Ivory Spire on Amen. That Seducer is going to Krakoa on Earth now. Right? Bay's blade. And that Doug is going to learn to love it. He's going to kiss the blade. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Interesting. Mercy, the blade of the Omega Mutant. Mercy okay. yep. sits in judgment at the head of the Great Ring, location Araco, which means since Araco is going to Earth, Mercy's going to Earth. Any of the Aracos are going back. Pog your going back to Amento.
7: Pog your pug is going back to Pod your pug, which was a weird thing in the in the data. I, I,
6: I love I, I love that his his home is named Pod your pug. That is the <laughs> funniest thing I've ever heard. Yes,
4: Pod your pug. your lives in his Pod your pug with his Pod your because it's him, it's his sword, and it's his home. They're three different things. X is for um, pod
7: your pod. It's pog. like,
6: it's the same way that his prophecy from Opaluna Luna 9 was basically the Iraqi equivalent to Buffalo, 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 yes. yes. I don't know if anyone's familiar, but yeah, Buffalo, 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 Buffalo is a sentence that exists.
7: Yes. yes. pog your pog and <laughs> your pog on the pod. Pod your pod
4: with your in your pog your pog with a pog your pog up your pog your pog up your pog um, your pog. I, I but, can't wait uh, to. You. I want to marking the name pog your pog before it inevitably became another X Men podcast.
7: Yes, yeah. well, well, I, 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 podcast I,
4: I... available on Spotify within the next three months called pog your pog. I have. No hey,
7: I have an open petition to Nico that we change this for to X's for pog. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think that's gonna work access for pog yeah i i love uh that we that the grass cutter and god killer i like that little entry uh that that teases the corrupted resurrection of gorgon i can't oh, wait yeah. to see what happens with that now let's
4: go back one second we left one sword of araco off before we get to the swords of krakoa pretty big one the twilight blade Genesis's genesis Genes- this apostrophe after the S sword abandoned on the field of battle stolen in the chaos of war who claimed the twilight blade and what darkness grows in their heart
7: so I went back to see the last time we saw the pay the, the sword and it's when apocalypse took it from Genesis and ran her through and she asked him to finish it and he drops it with a loud clang on the floor and that's the last time we see it on panel so yeah I'm curious to see where that ends up and and who comes swinging with it
4: and that's a big one like we're getting hints that like someone has it it's going to corrupt them and that shit's gonna pop up in a future story
7: yeah I wonder if it'll
6: end up in the hands of Tarn the Uncaring from last week's Hellions
4: Oh,
7: that would well, be. We're gonna see. He
4: he was on the uh, that big beautiful rocks image. The reign of X coming. Um, oh really? I I believe so, unless I I misinterpreted. I thought huh. I saw him in there. As the was taking us to the swords of Krakoa, the final fate of the swords of Krakoa, and he caught up on a big one: grass cutter and god killer. And what type of resurrection are we gonna see for Capital G Gorgon?
7: Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah,
6: you know yeah. it says it says right there in the description that uh you know after a a potential corrupted resurrection will he be able to wield them, you know? So apparently a resurrection of Gorgon is going to be attempted.
7: Which I I didn't I wasn't convinced that's how, what was going to happen. I still held out uh that maybe the white sword was going to bring him back, but yeah, no, we got we've got a corrupted resurrection on the horizon and and I'm looking forward to it.
4: I do also like that we get this hint that the Morumasa blades are twins, that they want to be with each other. And so that that could be drawing Wolverine and Solemn together over time.
6: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
4: and on our final data page, the Captain Britain Corps reformed. Right? And as the Knight of the Starlight Citadel, Captain Britain and the Omniversal Magistrix are forever bound. And she tried getting Brian back. She tried her damnedest, but she got a billion Betsy's instead. And now Saturnine and Betsy, who she fucking hates, are forever bound. We don't know where our Captain Britain Prime is yet, but we know we'll see her soon. What about some of these other, did any other Captain brit or their uh, universe seats? Because you know, Hickman doesn't, nothing is random here. Hickman chose each and every one of these numbers specifically. Like I guarantee you, if you search some of these universes through the Marvel Wikia, that we will find like previous universe stories, some of these tie to things, um, any standouts from the other Captain Britons and their universal designations. Uh,
7: the only thing that stood out to me was everybody with purple hair. I love that that's now like woven into the, uh, the infinity of the core. Um one another name that stood out to me was britannica just because it reminded me of captain britannic or whatever or when captain britain became britannic britannica rex
6: oh i liked uh captain plum dragon personally i couldn't tell you in the image who was who uh because if there's one thing that i'm less familiar with than the captain britain courts, it's the captain betsy core. but
7: i think plum i, uh, I definitely love dragon. captain
6: plum dragon
7: I think that's the big dragon. Oh, my God.
6: Yep. That makes so much sense. I was literally thinking, like, I'm already in Christmas mode, so I was thinking, like, sugar plums. Like, I was focusing (laughs) on the plum and not the dragon.
4: I can confirm for you right now that Earth 99476 is the alternate reality from Excalibur 51, where uh, we take a break off after the big storyline from number 50, and we see an alternate universe where they're all dinosaurs. And the uh, all dinosaur oh. Excalibur was Earth nine nine four seven six, and so Britannica Rex is the dinosaur Betsy Captain Britain from that alternate universe.
7: Oh, and we see Britannica Rex in the in the splash page, just to the right of the dragon. So cool! I like. Yes, the, you I could like also pair these up too.
4: with the the art as well. Earth one three zero five nine for Elspeth Braddock is uh, Lord of the Rings Marvel Earth from Extreme X Men Volume Two Number Nine. Which, what? if we ever want to know anything more about that, we can just add ask um, our friend Nathan because he knows everything about Extreme X Men Volume Two, the Dazzler series. What universe was that? One three zero five nine Elspeth Braddock. It's a uh, Lord of the Rings um knock off marvel universe it's supposed to explicitly be like this is our lord of the rings but not because so it's explicitly not because we didn't violate copyright don't sue us but it is
7: oh that's, that's so, so funny awesome. what about captain baboon does that uh does that number mean anything to you let's see well,
4: earth 8311 the violet swan is a universe of anthropomorphic animal superheroes so that would be a swan Love betsy it. Earth 8101 is the monkey world. That's Marvel apes for the ape verse from, uh, it has appeared in the amazing spider-man family comics and the marvel zombies evil evolution comics but it's a world where everyone in the marvel universe is a type of monkey captain america is a gorilla spider woman is like a spider monkey wolverine's a baboon so there's baboon wolverine and apparently um baboon captain betsy as well maybe all mutants are baboons yeah it looks like nothing in a jonathan hickman book is ever by accident people
7: this is so no yeah i i this is this is so exciting for like what comes next now with uh with with captain britain and with excalibur it's seeing reading excalibur without apocalypse is going to be uh it's going to feel like a like a a missing limb to me like because he's been such a big part of of this whole era that i i'm very curious that you know what what's going to happen next with with excalibur and what's store specifically for for that group
4: so click captain plum dragon one last one captain plum dragon by the way is uh from earth 2112 um so the established mainstream universe in which all the main books and stories take place and is earth 616 but for the purpose of allowing users to have meaningful roles in the events in the marvel universe this rpg takes place in an alternate earth so it's a role-playing game kind of a time travel alternate timeline dubbed earth 2112 It's functionally identical to Earth-616, but at its creative peak in the 70s and 80s. Oh my god. So Captain Plum Dragon is from um, now 616 that looks and feels like 70s, 80s Marvel. Awesome. I love it. I love that. Like, if you can remember any sort of crazy batshit alternate universe from any of the Exiles, Extreme X-Men, just anything, Spider-Verses. We're going to get a Betsy from that universe. We're going to get a steampunk Betsy because there's a steampunk Spider-Verse. Like, we're going to get everything, and they're all going to be Betsy's, and they're all going to be fucking awesome. Is Captain Amphibian— I'm going to hate all of them. Is
7: Captain Amphibian seat 22? Is that from the universe where uh, Thor turned into a frog? just kidding no that happened in 616 but i got thor frog vibes from that big time on account of the frog <laughs> sorry what about the swan what's the swan
6: that name? was um that was the violet swan from the earth uh, swan. earth yeah. 8311, 8311.
4: Yep. yeah that's where they're all anthropomorphic animal versions of themselves
6: that's where peter porker comes from if i'm not mistaken oh my
4: god Ooh, pot- yes i think you're right God, yeah, we could just do this. We could just spend a whole hour just looking at all of these. Yeah, um,
6: I was, I was gonna say this could, very, <laughs> this could very well become another episode.
4: The smaller numbers are harder to find on Wikis because they, you know, numbers like twenty two and ninety nine show up so much more often, but numbers like nine nine four seven six only show up when we're talking about the alternate universe of Dinosaur Excaliburs.
7: I would love to see a data page on the "To Me My X Men" splash page because. I would love to Agreed. know definitively everybody who's on there. Every time I look at it, I see somebody else. Like I just noticed bling was in there. Uh, you see a couple Jamie Madroxes like that. Just incredible.
4: All right. Well, I think that is it. Any last thoughts on destruction or X of swords as a whole before we kick out?
6: No, just give me that reign of X. I'm ready. You ready to get your rocks off? Yeah. Get, get ready to get my rocks off. Yes. Somebody like... has to tell that to Nico. <laughs>
7: Like Lady Gaga says, <laughs> rain on me. Hey,
0: everybody, Nico here one last time. And in this next room, I'm joined by Jonah, Nathan, and Kyle as we talk about some of the long lasting implications of what Destruction Heralded. Now, while I didn't necessarily feel that Destruction was the most apt title for this issue, the guys pointed out to me that it resulted in a destruction of the status quo. It was a lot of fun to be in this one, where I felt like I came to appreciate the book a little bit more. Hey everybody, I'm Nico Action, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. I'm Kyle, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram
8: at Drantis82, D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2.
9: I'm Nathan, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DazzlerAOA, that's DazzlerAOA.
10: And I'm Jonah, you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah, and we hope you survive this experience, unlike that one blonde Captain Britain.
0: You know, oh. and like, I didn't even get to fall in love with them, and they took them from me. It's fine, no. it's fine. Well, we are here today to discuss X of Swords, or Ten of Swords, or Crossing of Swords, or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter, because this is Destruction, Part 22 of 22, written by John Hickman, Teeny Howard, with art by Pepe Larraz, and art by Marte Gracia. And let me tell you, <laughs> I was perhaps not prepared for this issue to have literally everything in it. Uh. Yeah, yeah,
8: it was everything and anything, I guess. It felt like Avengers Endgame, <laughs> well, it, <laughs> where every everybody just kind of
0: showed up. <laughs> I completely agree with that. We actually said in our last episode that we felt very much like the last three parts of Ten of Swords was just cavalry, cavalry, cavalry. Yeah.
9: Kind of felt like a Stefan sketch on SNL where they're like, you've got sword, you've got Brian Braddock crawling in the mud or in all that other stuff. <laughs> This issue has everything. <laughs>
0: and let me just say, this issue has everything right off the bat. It's nonsense, it makes no sense, I don't know why I love it so much, but that first page with all those Captain Britons... I'm obsessed with the number of unique Captain Britain weapons. There's that one that looks like a seven. There's the giant hammer. There's the one that I think is meant to be a battle axe, but all I can see is the dragon of Shaolau, right? This is such an interesting reinterpretation visually of Captain Britain that, number one, I mean, I sobbed when Brian said, my God, look up mutants, look up the Captain Britain. I can't, I can't. Uh, I literally literally can't. That Brian gets to like look... To, what is it, look to the sky on the third day, look to the west on the third day, whatever it is, whatever Gandalf says, that's the oh. mo- that's that moment for me.
8: Uh, yeah, yeah, that that was, yeah. I had chills when I saw that. Uh, everything was despair for our Kirk Cohen team. And then he looks up and he sees the Captain Britain court, and
0: it's like, everything's going to be okay. When we started this whole shebang, we heard about summoners. I think it's X-Men 2. And in the course of X Men Two, they say a minor summoner can summon this many demons, and a summoner can summon this many demons, and whatever the sort of endless hordes of demons here. I, it, that was definitely one of those moments where I was like, oh, oh, huh. oh. That's I guess that's that's what that was for. Always this this moment. I don't know why it kind of disappointed me. I thought summoners would play a bigger role, but going forward, our summoner is dead, and I don't see these summoners come into play.
8: Yeah, yeah, these I. <sighs> I mean, these summoners—they didn't they get hit with dragon fire?
0: Yeah, so yeah. I don't so, really see a future for this idea that we just spent a year building up.
8: Yeah, I, I feel like the summoners are very limited in in their abilities and. Uh, i i feel because of that they were kind of hamstrung so there's there's really no other way that they can make a difference in this universe at this point does that make sense
9: no that does i i love the the ap lovecraft imagery that kind of is going on like the big and all these crazy characters that were coming through the gate cool
0: The Lovecraft imagery, I really loved. I think where I was a little disappointed was that it's so much in this issue. It didn't get celebrated. There was just
8: so much here. Yeah. And even though this was a a double length issue, it just felt like they were trying to pack too much in. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 feels like they they could have split it up a little more. They could have started the
0: big uh fight maybe an issue or two earlier. I definitely agree with that. And the things they did set up in the previous issues, I do appreciate like seeing the cuckoos helping Jean communicate Mm. with Scott and magic is a really amazing moment for me. But I, I love that the 10th sword is sword. (laughs) Like that's really cute. And now I wonder what sword is going to be going forward. It feels like this is a very new idea for sword and a very different place for it to be. And there's something to be said for the dynamic recreation of an idea that already exists On the next page, that group shot of mutants is, like, unbelievable. For a few reasons. Number one, there's Polaris, who hasn't had any purpose in this in a while. Quite disappointing. Number two, Gambit, who we thought was going to be a big player and then wasn't. Richter in the background, again, we thought would be a big player and then wasn't. But... Also, some really cute, kind of like nonsense additions, just mm-hmm. maybe for me. Like, you have Skin, Danny, Hisako, Dakin, you have Gwenpool, which yes. is awesome. Yes. And I can't help but notice over to the right, just behind Beast, just below Hisako's uh. bottom arm, is of course my hero, my Ooh. personal favorite X-Man. Dupe made an appearance and. That means something to me for no apparent reason.
8: (laughs) I didn't notice him the first time I read this. And then you had posted it on uh, a picture of him on Twitter. I'm like, wait, wait, I need to find him now.
0: Oh, he's there. Oh, I love it.
9: (laughs) All of those heroes and still no Dazzler.
8: Oh.
0: I know. What is up with that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like trying to pretend that one of the harder to see people is maybe Dazzler. <laughs> like maybe she's one of those really, really background people, which I just want to say something. Whenever anybody's like, um, I can't tell who that is. It's really tiny. I just want to point out that comics are drawn at a significantly larger size, right? It's Mm. something called board size. And if you want to know what one of those looks like, pick up an X X L Jim Lee X-Men, pick up a full-size IDW Artist Edition. But we are talking about these things are drawn at twice the size, right? right? So when they get shrunk down, some of the beautiful, incredible, exquisite detail unfortunately does get kind of lost in the process Mm. which does kind of bother me but if you zoom in real good and real nice on my boy quentin you can even make out that his show says viva krakoa Yes, um, yeah which is like such a you know one of the things I love about Quentin is Quentin is like, no, fuck this, I hate everything. Pow, 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 I hate everything. Psychic gun, wah, 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 wah. I'm going to start a riot, right? <laughs> and if anybody's ever wondered, Riot at Xavier's is like my favorite arc of all time. And Quentin Choir changing his tune and being like, viva Krakoa, and not just like, I'm in it for myself. There's something really powerful about the way you can indicate growth. In just an image like that, you know, we're used to selfish Quentin. I know, Jonah, you said every single issue of X-Force, your favorite thing was someone was killing the Quentins.
9: Because
0: <laughs> he deserves it. It's, he does. It's everything. He
10: does.
9: he does. He does so bad. <laughs>
10: but does not that doesn't mean I can't like him. It just means it's hysterical to me that he's literally died every single issue. I'm pretty sure part of his power set is that he has to be overly cocky and he has to be the best. So having him constantly be be knocked down a peg um,
0: is nice. Speaking of nice, I do just want to point out that Marvel is at least following up with what they're claiming. A lot of times companies get called out on trying to celebrate diversity in a way that only celebrates their own bottom line. And I've had some honest concerns about Marvel's indigenous voices just being an attempt to cash grab from an overly marginalized people. However, the beautiful placement of both Danny Moonstar and Warpath as central figures on this pinup really says something about at least committing to the idea of Native American characters as real characters in the fight. I would have liked it if either one of them had, you know, a line. (laughs) But considering we thought that Ten of Swords was going to be like hugely Gambit and Rogue related because they were such a part of the Excalibur lineup, and then they went nowhere and Richter went nowhere, so many people were expected to have huge roles in this and didn't. So I can't be too mad. If all somebody got was just an appearance. Okay, I have a question though.
10: Yes. So I just recognized as a mutant next to Eunice as Forge in armor. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that weird. <laughs> did not process to me. I thought this was like, who is this beetle mutant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but who is behind Eunice? That's skin. Oh, that's skin.
0: Oh. Catty. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In is Chamber. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I know who Chamber is. Well, I think that's a really different look for Chamber in a lot of ways. Like, he looks so toned down. I can't imagine Jono walking into a room and being like, no one noticed me. <laughs> like, so that's a, well, a real he, tone. He down is room. in the Angsty Teen title. Um, <laughs> But
10: other highlights, even though she's kind of, she's more background, I still recognize my Tabitha Smith. Yes. She's right there. there. There's my boom boom. Um, And then uh, in between Forge's wing, is that that one um, Hellion that was, is it Jetpack? Jetstream?
0: Oh my god. It's somebody Ooh, with a giant jetpack. He's not wrong. Was oh, it Explodey Boy? Ooh, is it Explodey Boy? Uh, mm. uh, it's either one. Yeah. I'm also trying to figure out who the really badass purple mutant is at the way top. Oh, yeah.
10: She looks a little Kate Bishop,
0: oh. but, like, I love it. Um, but we do see Callisto, which is
10: fascinating. Yes. And uh, for my uh, Legend of Korra fans, Amon, he's behind, oh. he's behind, uh, the, the, they are behind Wildside and uh, Wolfsbane. You see a character with, like, a mask. I see like, it, I see it. <laughs> it looks like Amon's mask, and I'm
0: just, you know, bloodbending. Anyway. It's because this is so many of the characters we were really hoping to see in this. There was something sort of saccharine about the fact that all of the promo images featured so many of our favorite X-Men bearing swords, and then none of them appeared in this. You know, we're told the Cerebro sword is such a big deal, and we're told—like, there's so much about sort of misrepresentation of what we were going to get that I understand some is subterfuge, and some is a story evolves as it goes— but there was no more touching moment for me in probably all of the Ten of Swords than when everybody said, Kurt, you cannot possibly go. You are the moral center of the X-Men. And while that is not in this issue, I'm bringing it up because it's the only reason I'm okay with Kurt not being here. The guy can teleport. He's an amazing swordsman. And I would love to know what the Brimstone dimension, the Dark Force dimension, does in Otherworld. And he has
9: otherworld experience, too. I mean...
0: Yeah, from Excalibur. Yeah. So it felt a little bit like some of our favorite things were just kind of not here it was great seeing rogan gambit fight side by side i love domino and danny both just unleashing together that's awesome yeah <laughs> yes but you know that the the turning point for me in the whole issue is the moment of, I am Annihilation. That is that is that moment where Genesis and Annihilation are no longer sharing the form, and Annihilation is like, I'm going to use all of my elder, eldritch god power. And that's kind of the point where you know the X-Men have to win in a really dramatic way. Whenever your bad guy goes, No, I can't be beaten like this. <laughs> That's usually the hint that um you're actually about to be beaten like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just shocked they found a place for all of that stuff from Cable to come in. Oh,
8: yeah, yeah, yeah. That so was... weird robot alien. I honestly was not expecting the Viscora to show up. I was I was expecting that to be a plot thread that was going to be handled in Sword itself. Same, I, I, mm. because we've we've had so many instances where uh these little plot points are dropped and then we don't hear from it again for months and then this this time they introduce it and it's it's resolved by the end of the event and I'm like what? I I was I was so not expecting that.
0: Well, something that I think a number of us had expected it had come up in several rooms on several episodes is Apocalypse wearing the Annihilation mask is something that a number of us had guessed going into this. I probably hadn't guessed him being like, I'm gonna put it on, I lose. Like, that was definitely... that was that was that was that was that was a moment. Number well, one, when he when he ripped it off his wife's face, I thought she should die. Like mm. I, I don't mean mm. that mean, but like <laughs> she should hurt a little bit or something. Like, like like a power feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Or or at least like having your face ripped off, maybe because it yeah. seems to be melded with fire. So like ow, but you know, and then Iska turns, and mm. then it's all over. It felt like it was all over very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I.
8: I was confused by Iska turnings all of a sudden. I was confused by the sudden resolution of of the battle and Apocalypse Annihilation explaining that surrender isn't the same thing as losing. Yeah,
0: Yeah, which really ties sort of into that quote from the beginning of the issue where he says, these are my burdens to bear and I will bear them until the day I will bear them forever or until the day I die. And I really liked that quote kicking this off, especially because I don't think I've ever seen Apocalypse surrender. You know, we've talked about how you don't really see Apocalypse get beaten on and he got beaten on at the beginning of this. You don't see Apocalypse go on his knees and he went on his knees at the beginning of this. You don't really see Apocalypse say, I'm sorry. And Apocalypse said, I'm sorry a million times during this. But what we do have is Apocalypse surrendering. And I do not believe I have ever seen Apocalypse surrender in my history of reading him. I've seen him retreat. Yeah. But in that way, it's actually really interesting because if you think about it, we've talked about how Annihilation and Genesis were sort of not treated as two separate people exactly. Right. They were kind yeah. of one person, but kind of two people. One's Apocalypse puts on Annihilation. He is now speaking for the Iraqi and the immense, and I kind of have to wonder, where does that leave Genesis in the game? Hmm. Were they two people that were one person in that regard, Doug and Warlock? Like, how exactly does this whole thing shake together when simply putting on the mask changed his side and the side he's able to speak for? It kind of seems like once again, Saturnine is using her manipulation rules to get whatever she wants. Because as we discover at the end of the issue, Saturnine did not plan for this. No. Not at all. No. However, um, that Annihilation spear is like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It is. When oh my God. she transforms the mask into a spear and she's like, You want a sword? And <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, <clears throat> we've determined that Saturnine has one voice and it is uh, from Yu Gi Oh! So. Would you like a sword? That was just too sexy. Hold on. No, that's,
9: that's Saturnine's voice. She's like, come hither. That, that was sword. that was a
0: mix
10: of Tristan and <laughs> Pegasus. And that's a combination I did not expect, nor do I want any more of. Oh, wait. Uh, my, no, I've favorite, got it. my favorite thing was when the spear, uh, when Annihilation <laughs> was like, I will crack your bones and eat. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, like, look you, look, you look much more pretty like this.
0: So when she's like, Hey, shush, you sound ridiculous. <laughs> I figured I would just go to Joey Wheeler. Um, but <laughs> she says, you know, you look. this is a better look for you. And it's a deeper lure if you want it. And one of the things that I really loved about this, Saturnine isn't really kind. We've talked a little bit about how we don't really feel like this is our Saturnine as a group. And Saturnine being like, um... I'm going to do you this favor, is so unique because, if you think about it, the Iraqi lost. In fact, Annihilation lost. But Genesis has never been a part of the Krakoan team, so transforming this into something that doesn't control her mind is is an unusually kind gift from Saturnine, unless it's serving self-interest. Unless she is now aware that Annihilation is something much worse than she's prepared to handle. So the biggest thing, though, for me, in all of Destruction, is the outcome. Mm -hmm. The outcome is more significant than anything I'd expected. Number one, a lot of people had expected Apocalypse to die. So Apocalypse remaining with the Iraqi mutants. Is sort of shocking. I'm glad he's with his family, and I'm glad he and his wife are going to work to make this better. I'm particularly challenged by his selection to be given to Krokoa being the mutant island of Mm Arakko. Like, I knew Arakko was a mutant, and it kind of should have made sense. But I'm like, like physically, like where's it gonna, where's it gonna, where's it gonna go? Do we, can, can it? Is there a new map? Is it are they, and all the does everybody on it come or is the island empty except for its millions of prisoners? I am more fascinated by that potentiality. Number one, an X-Men where apocalypse serves no threat. And number two, this idea of it kind of sounds like Okara as a result of this, despite, you know, barely winning. What do you guys think about the mutant island of Araco returning home with the X-Men when the issue kind of gives us no understanding of what that means?
9: Woo-hoo. If they return with all, if, if Okara becomes whole again with all of the Iraqi mutants on it, like how long is it going to be before the Avengers step in and they're like, all of you mutants, halt? Or, you know, like whatever Avengers do. But um, no, it's going to like change the status quo of 616 for a while. Should.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, in a big way.
9: Yeah.
10: Does Jonah, that... does that mean we get to see Bay a lot more? So I get to see the marriage of Bay and oh. Doug. And I need to see though New Mutants react to Doug being married. It's there's a lot going on here, and the fact that Apocalypse got away with it is also yeah. very fascinating. That there's again the All Seeing Wise Omnitrix didn't suspect that that was a possibility, and did, that that wasn't in the cards, ma'am. What cards are you reading? Which I find holiday cards. I find that I
8: find that really interesting because. At one point in, in this event, we did see a prophecy where where it was stated that there was a possibility of uh, Krakoa and Arako being reunited.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I guess perhaps the interpretation people were leaning with was, oh no, Krakoa is going to go to Arako. But at the same time, it's almost as if they purposely... It's almost as if they purposely dazzled us so we wouldn't notice that that was still what was at stake from the very beginning. We were told in, like, X-Men number two, rejoining the land is the goal. Mm -hmm. So we kind of should have seen this coming all along. Mm -hmm. Now, Jonah, are you going to miss your big blue A, Daddy?
10: no i'm okay with apocalypse leaving i think he'll be much happier you know back where he belongs it's kind of like releasing um you know animals like th- those all those like animal movies where they like befriend a wild animal and their heads like no you have to go back no oh it's also like you know when you let your dad w- roam around home depot kind of like releasing it back to the natural habitat yeah i get that
0: <laughs> very harry and the uh, henderson's kind of tool shed thing
10: yes 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 i'm okay with apocalypse leaving i think apocalypse could go do apocalypse things over on Arako and, you know, be fine with his family and no one's going to really care about it because he could go test on them. I'm more interested in the side stories and the after effect, the aftermath effects that will come out through this, for example. The sinister clone that was, you know, torn to psionic shreds
0: mm-hmm. by the genetics guy over on Arako. I mean, I'm pretty sure I said last episode that I am under the impression that we just ended the Age of Apocalypse and have such begun the reign of Essex. I think that we are about to see... A pretty good time for Mr. Sinister to operate unencumbered. I don't know how many of you are familiar with how intrinsically linked Sinister and Apocalypse are. Sinister gained most of his abilities as a result of Apocalypse. Apocalypse gave Sinister his powers. And because of that, Apocalypse has always kept a sharp eye on the little bad bastard man that didn't stay his good little boy with that in mind. It seems like with the biggest piece constantly in his way, the only other mutant as obsessed with evolution as he is, out of his, you know, immediate concern, I think we're going to see a very different Sinister as a result. Kyle, are you going to miss Big Blue Daddy A? I
8: think I'll miss him a little bit, um... I was, I was finding his dabbling in the more mystical side of things kind of interesting, uh, but at the same time, I, I, he's not exactly my favorite, so having him gone is, it, it kind of helps with uh, getting rid of, uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Um, hold on. Sure. So, have having apocalypse gone? I think it'll it'll provide a new chance for other mutants to lead the uh, Krakoa and. I mean, with him having such a major part in like the Crucible, um, Mm. we'll see more. I think we'll see more uh, people involved with that as well. Hopefully, maybe I don't know.
0: That's
9: interesting, actually.
0: Now you know who I'm gonna ask next, Nathan. Now that (laughs) Big Daddy A, wait, what?
9: No, I was gonna say. Oh, I was like, I am not gonna miss Big Daddy A. I, I, oh, I'm not. I just like I. I think this is a good arc for his story. I liked the turn he took. I just. I don't know where else they could have gone with him on this. I am gonna miss not finding out like what was going on really between him and Richter. Like, were they getting a little something something? But now like now his wife's back. So now he's gotta drop Richter and Richter's like just all in this lonesome again. So Well, he
0: can he can have Shatterstar.
9: I know, poor guy. Like, I that's what I want. Like seriously.
0: Shatterstar is his consolation prize to you, Nathan. (laughs) No. Shatterstar.
9: (laughs) Shatterstar should be his like yeah, that should be the goal. They were they were Perfect
10: together. Shadowstar's too busy streaming. <laughs> <laughs> He's like I am an
9: influencer on mojo, whatever.
10: Streamers don't have time for relationships. They also <laughs> how they get the most money. You pretend you're single. Oh, that's right. So
0: one of the things that I'm most excited about is I believe our next major issue of X-Men is going to involve the return of the three mutants who entered the vault. So what we're facing now is almost like the X-Men want to move from this era very quickly. You know, Apocalypse, having been on the council, is no longer on the council. Jean's not on the council anymore. This is going to herald sort of a terrible new age for a number of mutants. (laughs) Sebastian Shaw is in a place he wants sinister is in a place he wants we get you in elections i know oh, yay we have, we have two seats that are available
10: now they need Who to have they, three they have three Who's no they the need to no. they,
9: they need to they need to they need to shaw, shaw needs to die by the oh
0: way. oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it's almost like taking apocalypse out of the equation allows us to enter this age of Araco, Krakoa, Okara, and now Apocalypse, the inciting factor of that whole story, is off the table okay cool that then leaves every other horrible piece of shit that the X-Men have to deal with still <laughs> on the tape so we still have Sinister we still have Sebastian Shaw and we have the sort of endless hordes of villains that have been introduced in the last couple of months
9: anybody think right so like in what was one of the issues before they one of the data pages they said they're banning the use of the word X-Men basically right so like oh, yeah why do I feel that like Gott and Gene are gonna like create their own team of like X-Men to be X-Men
0: ooh that that's a really great read. I like that a lot. I also, that somehow reminded me, I just want to point out that a number of the names in the Captain Britain Corps reform sheet, oh, a number yeah. of them are tributes to classic Captain Britain characters. So we have Captain UK, we have Crusader X. These are actually classic Captain characters being recreated in the form of Betsy. And I just think that's terrific. So, you know, there's a lot to be excited for. Ultimately, I don't think destruction hailed any destruction. Mm. I think all it did was sort of move us to the place we knew we had to move to.
8: Well, I would say that it destroyed the status quo.
9: I agree. Yeah, I think it set up a whole lot of brand new storytelling opportunities for what is it going to be the Reign of X is what it's called. So, yay.
0: Okay, so destroyed the status quo. I like it a lot. Now, Jonah, walking away from your first big X-Men event... Final thoughts on a 22-issue story? Ileana was the most vital
10: character to this entire story, and nobody will convince me otherwise.
0: I mean, unfortunately, they did use her as the transport, which is, like, the number one thing we are always, like, stop doing to her. But they did it in such a cool way that I'm like, you know what? This time...
10: It's okay. If it wasn't for Liana, the Crones could not have would not have won. Changed my mind. Please don't. Because I'm (laughs) right. But No, you're right. You're right. (laughs) In terms of the overall crossover, I think there were some really excellent ideas here. And I think the idea of what they were trying to tell to a degree was really interesting and fairly well done. I think there were missteps and I think the overall story of this kind of being an attempt at Saturnine into gaining Brian as a lover does not do any justice to the character nor does it do any justice for women. I don't understand why she went through I don't know how many who to try and get Brian to be her lover, I do not think that was the direction that that character needed to go in. I think that it muddled the story way too much, and when it hit the midpoint, it really started to show that it was kind of
0: fumbling. I see what you mean. There was... A lot of information about how they padded out the 22 issues because they knew they could. And thanks to COVID delays, trying to make up issue time, et cetera. It makes me wonder what was added and what wasn't, and perhaps what pacing should have been slightly reworked. Ultimately, I don't think we saw a whole lot of Solemn.
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: he really only
8: showed up in that fight with War, and then he ran off with that zombie dragon. And we oh, already know that yeah. that was the dead shield Logan, so it's not like that hasn't come due. Right, so...
9: Yeah, it, even on the head pages, he shows up in a question mark. They're like, where is he?
8: So I, I'm kind of wondering if maybe this might be them trying to have him as an unknown... Um, an unknown quantity out in the universe? Yeah, an unknown quantity out in, in the universe that's going to come up again for Logan.
0: I hope so. They had great chemistry. Yeah. So this also does leave me wondering about something kind of interestingly significant, but maybe it's just me and I'm crazy. But I feel as though John Hickman is famous for some of the largest crossovers the Marvel Universe has ever seen. He is responsible for Infinity, which was beyond so beautifully designed, a really interesting story that just maybe got a little too big for itself. John Hickman is, of course, the mastermind behind the most recent version of Secret Wars, in which the multiverse was felled. So John Hickman is famous for these stories that he tells his own story of in like six to eight issues, most of them double-sized, a few <laughs> extra pages in the back, right? John Hickman tells these larger-than-life stories, and as a really great leader, farms out the other parts. John Hickman crossovers are usually like 45 issues long, or whats what we're seeing here the decision to enhance the first part of the crossover into more John Hickman formal, And the second half, sort of suffering from the weight of, we don't want it to get that long. That's perhaps my question. Was this just trying to put a different shape peg in a different shape hole in a way that didn't bring it together perhaps as tightly as possible? Because I'll be honest, I don't expect everybody to have a number right now, but I'm walking away giving this event something like a B. Mm. Maybe a B-, minus, but I'm I'm not giving it an A, because I can't give an A to a 22-issue story where six of the issues lost me. Yeah, And I don't think it's a C, maybe not a D. It's definitely not a D. I don't know if it's a C. Maybe it's a C-plus on a bad day. Maybe it's a B-plus on its best day. But what Ten of Swords promised was a lot of magic and a lot of swords and a lot of X-Men having big splash pages. And what we got was a lot of swords, a lot of big splash pages, and a lot of magic. They didn't really misrepresent what they were giving us. They just didn't give us what we were expecting from their promise.